Book One, Chapter Thirteen of Strangers and Pilgrims by Mary Elizabeth Braddon. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Strangers and Pilgrims, Chapter Thirteen. For destiny does not like to yield to men the helm, and shoots his thoughts by hidden nerves throughout the solid realm. The patient demon sits with roses and a shroud. He has his way and deals his gifts, but ours is not allowed. Very little slumber came to the eyelids of Elizabeth that night. She had spent many a sleepless night of late, nights of tossing to and fro, and weary longing for the late coming dawn, nights full of thought and wonder about the dim strange future and what it held for her nights full of visions of triumphs and pleasures to come, or of sad longing for one dearer delight which was never to be hers, the love of that one man whom she loved. Very different were her thoughts and visions to-night. He loved her. The one unspeakable blessing which she had for a long time deemed unattainable had dropped into her lap. He loved her, and she had given herself to him for ever and ever no more vague dreams of the triumphs that were to be won by her beauty no more half childish imaginings of pleasures and glories awaiting her in the world she knew not on the very threshold of that dazzling region just when success seemed certainty love closed the gate and she was to remain without in the bleaker drearier world she knew brightened only by that dear companionship she had told him that the most dismal home to which he could take her would be a paradise if shared with him, and she believed that it would be so. Yet, being a creature made up of opposites, she could not let the old dream go without a pang. From my very childhood I fancied that something wonderful would happen to me, something as brilliant and unexpected as the fate of Cinderella, and it all ends by my marrying a curate, she said to herself half-wonderingly. But then, he is not like the common herd of curates. He is not like the common herd of mankind. It's an honour to worship him. And then, by and by, she thought, I wish I'd been a Russian empress and he my serf. What a delight to have chosen him from his base-born brotherhood and placed him beside me on the throne, to have recognised all that makes him noble in spite of his surroundings, to have been able to say, I give you my heart and soul, and all this northern world. An empress could afford to make a bad match. It was a bad match. Even with all the glamour of this new delight upon her, she did not attempt to disguise this fact. I am glad he has money of his own, she mused. We can at least have a nicely furnished house. What a comfort to have modern furniture after our ancient rubbish and silver like papa's and i dare say malcolm will give me money enough to dress nicely in a simple parson's wifeish way i shall have to work very hard in his parish of course but it will be for his sake and that will sweeten everything she thought of lord paulyn and smiled to herself at the idea of his disappointment now that she had plighted her faith to someone else she felt very sure that the Viscount had been desperately in love with her, and had only waited, with the insolence of rank and wealth, his own good time for telling her of his love. 
it would be not unamusing if she met him in london to lead him on a little to the point of an offer even and then crush him by the information that she was engaged and it would be still more agreeable some day in the happy future when she was malcolm ford's wife to tell her husband how she had refused a coronet for his sake she remembered that foolish wager of her pearl necklace diana was welcome to the bauble and even to any touch of spiteful triumph which she might feel in her sister's acceptance of so humble a destiny but they can hardly crow over me if lord paulyn makes me an offer and i refuse him she said to herself was she not utterly happy in the first flush of her victory having won the thing she had longed for almost utterly perhaps but even with the intoxication of that delight there was mingled a vague notion that she had been foolish that the world her own small world would laugh at her she had carried her head so high and protested not once but a hundred times that come what might she would never throw herself away upon a curate what a storm of anger and ridicule must she needs encounter from mrs chevenix whenever that worldly wide matron should be informed of her infatuated conduct that defiant spirit which so often had flouted the chevenix quailed and shrunk to-night at the thought of the stormy scene that was likely to follow such a revelation but surely i am the mistress of myself she thought it is myself i am giving away and papa is not up to his eyes in debt or in danger of dying in a workhouse unless i make a rich marriage and if i am a little better looking than my sisters and the sort of girl people say ought to make a success in life is that any reason why i should not be happy my own way unutterably happy with the man i love so dearly and to be loved by whom is like the beginning of a new life it will be seen therefore that even in the hour of victory elizabeth was not unconscious of having thrown herself away she had been miserable without mr ford's love but she was quite aware of the price her devotion to him was to cost her the phantasmal opera-box and town-house and country seats and carriages and saddle-horses faded slowly from before her eyes like a ghostly procession of this world's brightest glories melting for ever into shadowland the worldly half of her soul suffered a pang at parting with these pomps and vanities they do not constitute happiness i know she reflected but i have thought of them so long as part of my future life that it does seem just a little difficult to imagine the future without them and then she remembered the dark eyes looking down at hers the grave low voice speaking words of love sweeter words than she had ever thought to hear from the lips of malcolm ford she remembered these things and the pomps and vanities seemed as nothing when weighed against them thank god that he loves me she said to herself what do i care if other people are disappointed or malicious i will be happy my own way in spite of this resolution she felt strangely nervous next morning at breakfast when she met the family circle about which there seemed somehow to be a lurking air of suspicion though nobody could have reason to suspect she had slipped quietly in from her nocturnal excursion and had gone up to her own room unobserved when she sent a message to the drawing-room by one of the servants 
to the effect that she had a headache and could not come down to prayers i hope your headache's gone said diana with the lukewarm solicitude of a relative oh, oh thanks uh, yes i think so a headache is scarcely a subject for thought remarked gertrude one has or one has not a headache there are such things as nervous headaches said elizabeth carelessly which i have always regarded as another name for affectation replied gertrude but you're not eating a crumb of anything lizzie exclaimed blanche and you're so pale and have such a heavy look about the eyes i did not sleep much last night and as for breakfast i've always considered it a most uninviting meal perpetual eggs and rashers and dry toast and dundee marmalade oh, give me another cup of tea please gertie i am feverishly thirsty and i am sure if we are on the subject of looks i cannot congratulate you on your appearance this morning you look as if you've been crying half the night gertrude flushed crimson at this accusation i do not deny that mr ford's announcement of last night was a blow to me she said we have worked so long together and i had learned to look upon him almost as a brother elizabeth smiled to herself as she looked into her teacup she was wondering how gertrude would like to look upon him quite as a brother that is to say as a brother-in-law this idea of his going out as a missionary exclaimed blanche spreading marmalade on her bread and butter it sounds low church somehow to me i wonder what his successor will be like speculated diana good-looking and gentlemanlike i trust and not a horrid man with a herd of brats said the flippant blanche blanche i do not consider it consistent either with christian principles or the preservation of your health to put marmalade on your bread and butter to such an extent as you are doing said gertrude with a housekeeper's eye to waste i suppose we shall see no more of mr ford till just as he is going away and then perhaps we shall only get his card with p p c in the corner remarked diana listlessly she had already begun to put mr ford out of her mind as a thing of the past elizabeth smiled again with a bent head a happy triumphant smile the smile of a heart which held no regret for a possible coronet a heart which was filled to the very brim with love for malcolm ford and a joyful pride for having won him she was thinking how soon they were likely to see him again and how often he was hers now her vassal yes he the saint the demigod had assumed an earthly bondage she had talked in her foolish childish rapture of being his slave but she meant to make him hers i wish i could get out of the visit to auntie as he wishes she thought if blanche could go in my place for instance but my dress wouldn't fit blanche and perhaps it would be as well for me to see the world a little before i bid good-bye to it drain the cup of pleasure to the dregs and find out how vapid the draught is this was an easy way of settling the question but the fact is that elizabeth luttrell having looked forward during the last four years to the unknown delights of a london season was hardly disposed to relinquish so much pleasure even for the sake of the man she loved better than all the rest of the world she was a girl who thought she had a right to obtain everything she wished for 
and even to serve two masters if she pleased she appeared unusually restless during the interval between breakfast and luncheon wandered out into the garden and orchard and came back to the house with her hair blown about by the bleak march wind sat down to the piano when that instrument was available and sang a little and played a little in her usual desultory manner took up a book from the table only to fling it down impatiently five minutes afterwards and every now and then went to the window and stood looking absently across the lawn one would suppose you expected somebody lizzie said diana you do fidget so abominably and stare out of the window so continually you may suppose it if you like has lord paulyn come back to ashcombe i know nothing of his lordship's movements oh indeed i thought he was about the only person in whom you were interested and i began to think you had received private intelligence and were on the watch for him i am not on the watch for him nor do i care if i never see him again oh what a change oh but how about your wager in that case my wager oh, what, the pearl necklace you mean of course you knew that was the merest nonsense what are you going to back out of it i thought it was a serious challenge oh, take the necklace if you like i don't think i shall ever wear it and i have other things of poor mamma's but does that mean that you confess yourself beaten that you promised more than you feel yourself able to perform have it so if you like you put me in a passion that night and i said anything only to annoy you but i shall never be lord paulyn's wife what a death-blow for poor auntie she had set her heart upon having a niece in the peerage her debrette would have opened of its own accord like the book thackeray speaks of at the article paulyn <laughs> the sisters were dawdling over their luncheon when they heard a footstep on the gravel and anon a ring at the hall door blanche the agile dashed to a window in time to recognise the visitor now whoever do you suppose it is girls she cried just guess nobody appeared able to solve the enigma although elizabeth's fast-beating heart told her the visitor's name it's mr ford cried blanche he's come to tell papa no doubt said gertrude taking a hasty survey of the table to see that the midday meal made a respectable appearance and then going straightway to the dining-room door to intercept the visitor papa is in his study dear mr ford she said shaking hands with him oh, but do come in first and have a little luncheon blanche ring for some fresh cutlets no no thank you miss luttrell i never take any luncheon and i do particularly want to see the vicar but i told him everything and he is so grieved i don't think you can have told quite everything he answered with a stolen look at elizabeth who was standing just within the doorway and a little smile and i hope we shall be able to overcome his grief i will go to him at once and look in upon you young ladies in the drawing-room afterwards now remember we shall expect you said gertrude with her reverential air hardly sorry that he had been proof against the temptation of the hot cutlet which had been a somewhat speculative offer since there might or might not be a section of the best end of neck in reserve in the larder 
what delightful manners she said as she went back to her place at the table no assumption of goodness no consciousness of possessing a loftier nature than the common herd why you wouldn't have him stalking about in a surplice or expounding the scriptures on the doorstep would you gertie cried the irreverent blanche i don't see why sinners should be the only people with decent manners hold your tongue child you're incapable of understanding such a nature as his you can gaze upon that saintly brow without one thrill of emotion i certainly shouldn't offer mutton cutlets to people with saintly brows i have more sense of the fitness of things replied the uncrushable youngest elizabeth said nothing she was subject to long lapses of silence in the company of her sisters they were so little worth the trouble of conversation and now she had sweet thoughts that filled her mind while they were babbling a new wealth of happiness he had come to speak to her father to offer himself as her husband and afterwards he would come to the drawing-room and she would know the result suppose papa should reject him she thought with alarm i know how aunt chevenix preached to him about lord paulyn and the brilliant future before me but thank heaven papa is not mercenary so long as he is not disappointed in his dinners he is sure to take things easily the four girls repaired to the drawing-room soon after this and gertrude skirmished about the room making a clearance of litter books that had been flung down anywhere work-baskets overturned flying sheets of music and having done this seated herself at her own particular little table with its neatly kept dorcas basket and began to tear calico elizabeth subsided into her favourite chair by the fire and did nothing after her wont nothing except to look at the clock on the mantelpiece every now and then wondering how long the interview would last what a time they are blanche exclaimed at last with a yawn i should have thought as papa knew all about it they'd have made shorter work of the business if you would employ yourself blanche you would have less time for idle speculation of that kind said gertrude severely but the whole weight of the dorcas basket is allowed to fall on my shoulders that's the worst of being born too good for this world my dear gertie people are sure to impose upon you the door was opened at this moment and mr forde came in and crossed the room to elizabeth's place by the fire and planted himself on the hearthrug by her side towering above her as she sat in her low chair and looking down at her with a tender smile the sisters stared at him wonderingly there was an air of appropriation in the manner of his greeting grave and subdued as it was all has ended happily he said in a low voice as they shook hands you will meet with no opposition from your father have you told papa everything asked gertrude watching the two with jealous eyes everything and he is very sorry is he not oh a little disappointed perhaps but hardly sorry oh disappointed yes of course he had hoped you would stay with us at least three years how i wish he could have persuaded you to change your mind suppose i have changed my mind said mr forde smiling at her anxiety suppose i have found an influence powerful enough to make me forego my most cherished ambition 
i don't quite understand faltered gertrude looking from him to elizabeth with a blank dismayed look you seem to have made up your mind so completely last night what can have happened since then to make you waver wonderful things have happened to me since last night all my thoughts and dreams have undergone a revolution i have discovered that a life at home can be sweeter to me than i ever dreamed it could be till last night and it must be my endeavour to find a useful career for myself at home gertrude grew deadly pale yes she understood it all now he was looking down at elizabeth while he spoke looking down at her with love unspeakable it was clear enough now elizabeth was to have this priceless boon flung into her lap elizabeth who had done nothing to deserve it i want you to accept me as your brother gertrude said mr ford and you diana and you blanche i mean to do my best to supply the place of the brother you never had oh there was the baby said blanche with a matter-of-fact air such a poor wee thing christened wilmot chevenix trelawney and died half an hour afterwards such a waste of good family names mr ford held out his hand as he made this offer of brotherly affection but no one took it diana gave a little laugh and got up from her seat to look out of the window gertrude stood like a statue looking at the curate you seem surprised by my news miss luttrell he said at last struck by her singular manner i'm more than surprised said gertrude after the things i've heard my sister say after some things that you have said yourself too however i suppose one ought never to be surprised at anything in this world i hope you may be very happy mr ford but i do not remember ever having heard of so unsuitable a match she said this with calm deliberation having just sufficient self-command to keep the tempest of angry feelings pent up in her breast for the moment and having delivered herself of this opinion left the room it will be for us to find out that won't it lizzie said the curate looking after her wonderingly your eldest sister hardly accepts our new relationship in so pleasant a spirit as i hope she would have shown towards me perhaps she wanted you for herself said elizabeth with a scornful laugh she's made no secret of worshipping you diana blanche we are to be good friends i hope this with a kind of appeal to the two others who this time responded warmly enough oh, believe me there's no one we could like better than you said diana i'm sure we dote upon you cried blanche i may say it now you're going to be my brother but you see we were taken a little back at first for elizabeth is the beauty of our family and there's been so much talk with aunt chevenix and one and another about the grand marriage she was to make so it does seem rather a come down you know blanche exclaimed elizabeth furiously oh don't i say that we all dote upon him expostulated blanche but however good your family may be you know mr ford and however independent your position and all that kind of thing a curate isn't a viscount you know and after lord paulyn's attentions blanche if you don't hold your tongue don't be angry with her pleaded malcolm i can forgive lord paulyn for having admired you and your family for expecting all mankind to bow down and worship you so long as you can forgive me for having made you disappoint them 
diana beheld her with wonder had worldly ambition had a boldly declared heartlessness come to so poor an end as this but when diana and blanche were alone together presently elizabeth having gone into the garden to see her lover off with a rapid appropriation of her rights as his affianced the younger sister shook her head sagely how blind you must be di she said i knew all about it ever so long ago she was always madly in love with him i have heard her say such things i used to fancy she liked him a little once but i thought lord paulyn had put all of that out of her head and that she'd set her heart on becoming a viscountess elizabeth is a mixture said blanche sententiously one moment the most mercenary being in the world and the next like that classic party with a name something like sophia ready to throw herself off a rock for love it'll be rather nice though to have mr ford for a brother won't it die it would have been nicer to have had a viscount responded diana in the bleak garden once more the march winds buffeting them the daffodils waving at their feet the world a paradise was papa very much surprised inquired elizabeth oh, yes darling more surprised than i had expected to find him for he had evidently learned to consider lord paulyn almost your plighted lover oh how absurd cried the girl with a little toss of her head such an idea would never have entered papa's mind of itself he's not a person to have ideas oh, but aunt chevenix talked such rubbish just because lord paulyn came here a great deal i suppose this was about the only place he had to come to on the days he didn't hunt i think there would be a few more houses open to him within a radius of ten miles although he does not bear a very high character said mr ford gravely oh perhaps however he seemed to like coming here replied elizabeth carelessly i am sorry he has not a good character for he's not at all a bad-natured young man although one is apt to get tired of his society after an hour or so you're not going to be jealous of him i hope i should be very jealous of any farther friendship of any farther acquaintance even between him and my future wife he is not a good man believe me elizabeth there are things i cannot possibly tell you but he is known to have led a bad life i think you must know that i am not a collector of scandal but his character is notorious you were jealous of him that sunday at lunch malcolm she said in her childish way clinging to his arm with a timid fondness i saw you scowling at us and i was prouder of your anger than i was of his admiration and then you kept away and i saw no more of you for ages and i thought you a monster of coldness and cruelty yes dear i was savagely jealous and oh my darling promise me that there'll be no more intimacy between that man and you i hate the idea of this visit to your aunt's for that reason above all you'll meet him in town perhaps you'll have aunt chevenix by your side dropping her worldly poison into your ear will you be deaf to all her arguments will you be true and pure and noble in spite of her i will be nothing that you disapprove said elizabeth and then with a little burst of truthfulness she went on do trust me malcolm i only want just one little peep at the world before i bid it good-bye for ever 
the world about which i've dreamed so much it will be only for a few weeks very well dear i will trust you if you could not pass scathless through such an ordeal you would be hardly worthy of an honest man's love my dearest treasure i will hazard you i think i can trust you elizabeth but if you cannot come back to me pure and true for god's sake let me never look upon your face again end of chapter 13 end of book 1